Hello and welcome to the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. This is episode 64. It is being recorded on Saturday, January 8th, 2022. And I'm very happy to be your host, Terrence M. Stanton. We are continuing with the book, The Secret Still Hidden by Christopher A. Ferrara. As I've mentioned, it is available for free electronically at the Fatima Center website located at Fatima.org. Or you could also purchase the book. You can purchase the book there as well. I've purchased several copies in the past. So let us continue with Chapter 6, Two Texts, Two Envelopes. From all the evidence we have surveyed thus far, it was readily apparent to Catholics around the world that the vision published by the Vatican in 2000 must be only one of two texts comprising the entire Third Secret. In Fourth Secret, Antonio Sochi would give wide publicity to the testimony of a witness who, in a stunning development, says exactly that that Archbishop Loris F. Capavia, no less than the personal secretary to Pope John XXIII. Sochi relates how Archbishop Capavia, now age 92 and residing in Soto Il Monte, Italy, granted an interview to a young Catholic intellectual, Saladeo Paolini, on July 5, 2006, in connection with Paolini's research for his own book on the Third Secret Controversy. In response to Paolini's query, whether there is an unpublished text of the secret, the archbishop replied, nulla so, literally, nothing I know, which in the Sicilian dialect means, I must say nothing. That answer puzzled Paolini, who expected that the archbishop, among the few who know the secret, would have been able to respond to me that this is a completely impracticable idea and that everything had already been revealed in 2000. Instead, the archbishop had used an expression that I imagine he wished ironically to evoke a certain omuerta, code of silence. That impression was confirmed by subsequent events. After the interview, Paolini received from Capavia in the mail a package of papers from his files, along with a perplexing cover letter advising him to obtain a copy of Message, which Capavia must have known Paolini, a student of Fatima, would already have. Was this not, thought Paolini, an invitation to read something in particular in that publication in relation to the documents set by the same archbishop? That intuition was correct. Among the documents Capavia had sent was a stamped confidential note by Capavia, dated May 17, 1967, in which the archbishop had recorded the precise circumstances of the reading of the Third Secret by Pope Paul VI. According to the note, Paul VI read the secret on June 27, 1963, only six days after his election to the papacy, and before he had even been seated officially at the coronation mass, which took place on June 29th. But according to Bertoni's representation and message, Paul VI did not read the secret until nearly two years later. Paul VI read the contents with the substitute archbishop, Angelo Dell'Aqua, on 27 March 1965 and returned the envelope to the archives of the Holy Office, deciding not to publish the text. Capavia's confidential note had revealed a telling omission. Why had Bertone and his collaborators failed to mention a reading of the secret by Paul VI nearly two years before the date given in the official account? 
There was no reason not to mention such an important historical event unless it was an event they wished to hide. There are two envelopes. The huge discrepancy between the date recorded by Capovia and that mentioned by Bertone prompted Paolini to telephone Capovia at precisely 7.45 p.m. on the same day he received the documents from the archbishop. During this conversation, Paolini asked the archbishop to explain the discrepancy, and Capovia protested, Ah, but I spoke the truth. Look, I am still lucid. When Paolini politely insisted that, still, there was an unexplained discrepancy, Capovia first offered explanations that suggested eventual lapse of memory, interpretations of what he had intended to say, whereupon Paolini reminded the archbishop his own stamped confidential note had recorded the year Paul VI read the secret, 1963, not 1965, as the Vatican's account claimed. Capovia then gave this reply, but I am right, because perhaps the Bertone envelope is not the same as the Capovia envelope. Stunned, Paolini then asked the question that began a whole new stage in the third secret controversy. Therefore, both dates are true, because there are two texts of the third secret? After a brief pause, the archbishop gave the explosive answer, exactly so. Pope John's own personal secretary had just confirmed the existence of a missing envelope and a missing text of the third secret of Fatima. It is in the right-hand drawer. Capovia's confidential note corroborates his testimony in detail. According to the note, on the date Pope Paul read the secret, June 27, 1963, Monsignor Angelo Dallacqua, the same substitute referred to a message, telephoned Capovia to ask, I am looking for the Fatima envelope. Do you know where it is kept? The note records that Capovia replied, it is in the right-hand drawer of the writing desk called Barbarigo, in the bedroom. That is, the envelope was in the former bedroom of John the Twenty-Third, which was now the bedroom of Paul the Sixth. It was not in the Holy Office archives. The note further records that the Fatima envelope was found in that desk. An hour later, Delacqua telephoned me again. Everything is fine. The envelope has been retrieved. Finally, the note records that in an audience the next day, Paul the Sixth asked Capovia directly, "Why is your name on the envelope?" Capovia replied. John the Twenty-Third asked me to inscribe a note concerning the manner of arrival of the envelope in his, Pope John's, hands, and the names of all those to whom he considered it necessary to make it known. Thus, Capovia verifies what we already knew, that a text of the Third Secret was kept in the papal bedchamber, where it remained during the pontificates of Pius XII, Pope John, and Paul VI. But Capovia also confirms something else, that a text of the secret is contained in an envelope on which Capovia had noted his name and the names of others at the instruction of Pope John XXIII. He also confirms, as already mentioned, that Pope John directed him to write on the same envelope at the Pope's dictation, I give no judgment. Here it must be noted that Capovia's confidential note refers to both envelope and wrapping as the place where Capovia made the notations at John XXIII's direction. Thus, rather than making the notations on the third secret envelope proper, Capovia could well have made them on an outer envelope or official folder that held the envelope containing the secret. This point needs to be clarified by further testimony from the archbishop. The ambiguity on this point, however, 
does not affect Capovia's testimony concerning the existence of an inner envelope containing the third secret in the desk drawer in Pope Paul's bedroom, where Pope John had left it. The Vatican has never produced that envelope, nor any outer envelope or wrapping bearing the notations attested to by Capovia. In fact, the envelope or wrapping with Capovia's notations has never even been mentioned in the official account, a very conspicuous omission that would be inexplicable unless that envelope or wrapping contains something we have not been allowed to see. There would be further developments concerning Capovia's testimony by way of attempts to obtain a retraction of his revelations to Solideo Paolini. As we will see in chapter 9 and 10, the attempts not only failed, but actually resulted in the confirmation of Capovia's testimony and additional revelations pointing to the existence of a hidden text of the secret. But there would emerge another piece of evidence, even more important than what Capovia has provided. During his television appearance in late May 2007, Bertoni himself would reveal the existence of two identically prepared third secret envelopes after having failed to mention the second envelope during the previous seven years. I will consider that sensational development in Chapter 8. First, however, I will consider Cardinal Bertone's book, An Answer to Sochi, a book that, as Sochi observes, is another disaster for the Vatican's position. So ends Chapter 6. I wanted to mention a couple of things before we close this episode of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. First of all, there is a debate, which some of you may have already seen, but if not, I found it to be very enlightening. It is from the Meaning of Catholic website and YouTube channel. So if you do a search at YouTube, Meaning of Catholic, that of course is run by Timothy Flanders. He had a debate between Dr. Robert Sungenis, who believes that Fatima, or excuse me, that Our Lady of Fatima's request has been fulfilled somehow, and um, Russia has been consecrated. I totally disagree with this, as did Dr. Edward Maza, who took the position of the Fatima Center and the position of the so-called Fatimists. I happily refer to myself as a Fatimist, as someone who believes that the consecration has not yet been properly done, meaning that Russia is consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary by the Pope and all the bishops of the world. So that debate between Dr. Syngenis and Dr. Maza at the meaning of Catholic YouTube channel, you might want to check that out. Another thing, uh, just today I was watching a conversation between Dr. Taylor Marshall and Mr. Jesse Romero at Dr. Marshall's YouTube channel. Unfortunately, and hideously, there is going to be a convention of Satanists in Scottsdale, Arizona on February 11th, 12th, and 13th. That's in the Diocese of Phoenix, Arizona. So any of you good folks in Arizona or the surrounding states who are able to make it to Scottsdale on one or all of those days, there are going to be a group of Catholics who are praying. It's my understanding that a, a bishop is going to be there. Mr. Romero, of course, is going to be there, and they're going to be praying the rosary 
and saying prayers to spiritually counter what's taking place. Um, evidently, these folks want to offer up a satanic black mass and do who knows what, all sorts of other sinful and disgusting things. So let's pray for their conversion. Let's pray that this doesn't happen. Let's pray that somehow this might be called off. We know with God, all things are powerful. God is infinitely powerful. And whatever he allows the demons to do in his permissive will and in his infinite wisdom, he will be able to draw good even out of evil. But Mr. Romero was asking for any Catholics who are able to attend, especially to men. We know that men are, of course, the spiritual fathers of their families. And priests are the spiritual fathers of their parish, bishops, spiritual fathers of their diocese. And the prayers of bishops have great power. You know, that's why the demons are attacking bishops so fiercely over the last several decades. They know if they can strike the shepherds, they can get the sheep too. So let us pray for an outpouring of grace. Let us pray for an outpouring of divine mercy in Scottsdale, Arizona on February 11th, 12th, and 13th, and for the conversion of the hearts of those Satanists, um, whether they know what they're doing or not, it is downright evil. And we will love them, we will pray for them, and hope for their conversion. Keep hope alive, my friends. As St. Padre Pio said, pray, hope, and don't worry. It's a time of great fear and great anxiety in the world, but it really doesn't have to be. Whatever you think about this virus thing, I personally think that the virus does not exist because it hasn't been proven to exist. SARS-CoV-2 has not been isolated. But even if you think there is a new virus out there, it's obvious it isn't serious. I do not know a single person who has died from this alleged virus, and this nonsense has been going on for two years. Um, I've been appalled by the cowardice that's been shown by many men, um, husbands and fathers of families who need to be strong and need to be courageous and are acting like little children afraid of the dark. Give me a break. Uh, this isn't the Black Plague we're dealing with here. During the Black Plague, people would come out and ringing bells and say, bring out your dead, and they'd wheel the corpses away. You had cities in Europe that lost 30%, 40%, 50% of their population, if not more. And most people listening to my voice right now probably can't name a single person they know family, friends, colleagues, who's died of this alleged virus. That's because, as I said, I do not believe it exists. What this really is, is part of the diabolical disorientation that Sister Lucy always talked about. Uh, a lot of wealthy, powerful people in the world became a lot more wealthy and a lot more powerful over the past two years, closing down small businesses, closing down churches, 
getting politicians and, tragically, bishops to do their bidding and getting a lot of people scared over absolutely nothing. I personally am sick of it. I'm tired of it. Um, I want the new normal, but I want the new Marian normal, and that is only going to happen when the Pope and all the bishops of the world consecrate Russia to the Blessed Virgin Mary's perfect, sweet, beautiful, immaculate, pristine heart. And when that happens, you will see a new normal. You will see peace that you never thought possible. You will see the conversion of Russia, which most definitely has not been converted. There are very few Catholics in Russia. God bless the ones who are there. You have a culture that is still very secular. There are Orthodox believers, but very few Catholics. And they have the highest abortion rate on earth. So anyone who believes that Russia has been converted hasn't been looking at the statistics very very closely. But it will happen. We have Our Lady's promise. So keep hope alive. Keep praying that rosary every single day. Pray the rosary with your family, with your friends. Please tell them about this podcast, the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Please send them to good sources of information about Our Lady of Fatima, like the Fatima Center located at Fatima.org. And one day, hopefully, in the very near future, that consecration is going to take place and it is going to be a grand and glorious day for all good people of faith. Let us honor Our Lady and St. Joseph in conclusion. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Prayer to St. Joseph for a soul in purgatory by Father Donald Calloway. St. Joseph, reigning in heaven with Jesus and Mary, intercede for the souls in purgatory. Today in particular, I ask you to turn your gaze to the soul who is most forgotten in purgatory. This soul longs to see the face of God, O good Father. Ask the Holy Trinity to take this soul to the glory of heaven today. Remember me, St. Joseph, when I die. I beg you to be prompt in delivering me from purgatory so that I can see you, Jesus, and Mary face to face. Amen. Virgo potens, ora pronobis, Sancti Joseph, Teradimonem, ora pronobis. Thank you so much for listening to the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It has been a pleasure to be your host. My name is Terence M. Stanton. Please tune in next time and tell your friends and family about the program. Goodbye, and God love you. <laughs>